it's helpful sometimes to um, situate where Jesus is in the gospel when we get these things. Uh, and Tyre and Sidon is in modern-day Lebanon. So most of the time, Jesus is in Israel, but it's good to, to think like, okay, I'm hearing this story of this woman calling out to it. It's, in, it's happening in Lebanon. And so he's not in Israel right now. And so the, the people of this region, they are the ancient ancestors of modern-day Maronite Catholics. So I've talked about the Maronites before. There are 24 rites in the Catholic Church. We're one, the Roman rite, the biggest one. Uh, but the Maronite rite are the Catholics in Lebanon, and there is one Maronite rite church in Portland, St. Charbel's. If you want to go one Sunday, you have my blessing to, to go to their divine liturgy. It's at 11 a.m., St. Charbel's, and it will rock your liturgical socks off. Like, it is so different than a Roman Rite Mass. And we do a very lovely, respectful, traditional Roman Rite Novus Ordo Mass here. But this is something totally different. It's a valid Mass. They are Catholics. But it's the result of the culture of this area developing slowly over a long period of time. So feel free to go one Sunday if you want to get a larger notion of Catholicism. So here's the deal. Because of the region, uh, this woman was considered by ancient Jews to be a pagan, Canaanite pagan, unredeemable unless she converted. And Jesus was an ancient Jew. Now, he didn't believe she was unredeemable. Of course, in his divinity, he knew that he came to save her. But he did also know that this was the word on the street in his culture that she was unredeemable, and he knew that he could leverage that to his purposes in this particular instance. That's what's going on. He's trying to elicit out of her a very strong, very powerful act of faith. So to do that, he calls her a dog. So just let that sink in for a second. To elicit a huge act of faith. He calls her a dog. Jesus, long hair, sandals, tie-dye shirts, always smiling, nicest guy in the world, breaks character in this particular instance wrong. That's not him. That's not the real Jesus. This is a perfect example of Jesus not being nice. He was not nice. He was kind. And there's a big difference between kindness and, and niceness. And in this in instance, kindness was using a highly offensive metaphor. I've heard theologians try to explain this scripture away a lot of times by trying to prove that he wasn't really saying that non-Jews were considered less than Jews and da-da-da-da-da, but it doesn't hold up. That is what they indeed believed. The important point is, once again, that's not what he believed. He came to save all of us, Jew and Gentile. That's what St. Paul's driving home. He's using ghoulish overkill to make a point. And the point is that he's willing to do whatever it takes to bring out the best in us. 
He's willing to do whatever it takes to bring out the best in us, even if it doesn't fit into our neat little conception of Him. I'm still coming off the retreat, so I'm still processing and unpacking things. And in that unpacking, I was thinking earlier this week, I can't count how many times in my life something terrible has happened. Like truly terrible, life-shattering. And almost every time up to uh, a few years ago, I would think, why is this happening? You know, what on earth could be the point of, of this particular type of pain for me? I don't ask that anymore. I don't do that anymore. As the Lord has continued to heal me, and this is why this is a place of healing, a field hospital, as the Holy Father has called it, I notice that like a side effect of that healing is that my consciousness operates differently with each thing that's healed. And that makes sense, right? Because uh, being wounded makes us weak, and it makes us uh, function like a lesser version of ourselves. Somebody comes up to you, stabs you in the arm, your piano recital is not going well, right? Like that structure is necessary in order to do something complicated that you've been trained to do. But when those wounds get healed, if they're actually rectified, we're back in business in that particular area. So as the healing happens, consciousness operates better, higher. So, now instead of asking why, that why question, which is more of like an emotional temptation, I ask, what's the lesson, Lord? What's the lesson, Lord? This person died and I didn't want them to. What's the lesson, Lord? That person tried to use the power of Satan to destroy my life. What's the lesson, Lord? Everything seems to be going sideways. It's not working out. What's the lesson, Lord? I can't subjectively perceive my own belovedness as a son, as a daughter of God. What's the lesson, Lord? Asking that question is powerful. And the net result of asking it has totally changed my heart over the last few years because it repositioned me. We all need to be repositioned. Like if you ever play organized sports, and I don't, I'm not pretending that I do. You either have strength and coordination or you don't. It's just kind of one of those things. But most people play organized sports at some point. Well, if you're playing some sport, you're probably in a position. And if you're not in the position you're supposed to be in, you're off doing something else, it's not going to work. The one season of basketball I played, I was left wing. Okay, well, if I was left wing and I was trying to play center, we're going to lose. Well, we lost anyway, but we're going to lose because I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I've positioned myself incorrectly. And so what the Lord has done is repositioned me from a place of doubt and frustration, honestly, to a place of acceptance and faith. And it's not perfect. No way. Not saying my faith is perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it's there now in a way that it wasn't before. So what's the point? The point is, no matter what the lesson is specifically 
for us, based on our situation, based on our particular pain that's manifesting in that situation. The overarching lesson is always Jesus, the real Jesus, looking us straight in the eyes and saying, I'll do whatever it takes to bring out the best in you. I'll do whatever it takes to bring out the best in you. And if that means letting you experience some pain in this short, temporary, kind of ridiculous, fallen world, then that's what it means. Because it doesn't end in that pain. It ends in glory and joy forever. This lady, this random Canaanite lady, experienced that sting of hearing that from the Lord. And instead of getting offended, instead of stomping off home, she stayed and she told Jesus the purpose of the lesson that he was trying to teach her. Ah, even Gentiles are worthy of your power. You're sent to everyone. And I'm sure with a huge smile on his face, he looked at her and said, you got it. You got the point of what I was trying to do. It was painful. It was a little bit difficult there for a second. But you got it. Go home. Great is your faith. You have what you've asked for. Enjoy it. For us, whatever the terrible thing is, whatever the hard thing is, the painful thing is, and we all have something. Somebody looks like they have it all together. They do not. They're just really good at looking that way. We all have something. If we want to get what we're supposed to get out of that experience, the first step is not becoming impatient, not becoming offended, not engaging with anything that's negative whatsoever. It's just very simply saying from the bottom of our heart, what's the lesson, Lord?